coming up on orhighered.com. We've set this uh, this grand vision for our company. By 2040, we would like to have unlocked the potential in 100 million people. And these are the types of activities, changing state systems, transforming institutions that are going to get us to that point. There are four major issues that higher education is struggling with. First, access, then success, career readiness, and finally, affordability. If you actually focus on which students you can have the most impact on, as opposed to which students are at greatest risk of failure, you will end up having much greater impact across your student body. If we really focus on funding higher education based on the long-term success of students, and by long-term I mean long after they've graduated, I think we can come up with mechanisms that reward the best performing institutions. In doing that, we need to take into account the different missions the different institutions have. Welcome to ORHigherEd.com's podcast. My name is Dan Adams, and I'm ORHigherEd.com's founder and editor. Our mission is to enhance student outcomes through effective education policy in the state of Oregon. Today's guest is Dave Jarrett. Dave is Vice President of Marketing at Inside Track, and since coming to Inside Track in 2010, he's been directly involved with Inside Track's original research and its relationship with higher education institutions. Dave is a thought leader in higher education, and OR Higher Ed is excited to have this chance to speak with him. In the interest of full disclosure, in addition to being the founder and editor of ORHigherEd.com, I also work as a campus data analyst for Inside Track. A few years back, I worked directly for Dave as a member of the Inside Track marketing team. All right, let's get started. Dave, from your perspective, what's the biggest challenge currently facing higher education? Well, Dan, I think there are actually four major issues that higher education is struggling with. Uh, first would be access, then success, career readiness of graduates, and finally affordability. I think it's hard to tackle any one of these problems in isolation without affecting the others. And so I'd I'd say higher education is really needs to be thinking about its overall value proposition from who gets in to what do they leave with and how much is it costing them to get there. Do you see those as sequential problems or those challenges that can be tackled all, all at once? How do, you, how do you go about tackling four different areas? I think they have to be tackled all at once because if I look, for instance, at improving success rates, one easy way to improve the percentage of students who graduate is to limit who gets into college. Uh, We've seen that happen in some states that have created performance-based funding mechanisms. Uh, Another example might be to increase affordability by decreasing the amount of student support. That wouldn't work either because that would decrease the success rates, particularly of underserved populations. So I think these are ultimately challenges that have to be looked at in, in a more holistic fashion. Yeah. So I'm interested how Inside Track's mission and the work that Inside Track's currently doing is aligned with addressing those challenges that you've identified. Well, ultimately, our, our mission is to unlock the potential in students and in the institutions that serve them. And I think directly the way our work aligns with those, those four challenges is the way in which we help colleges and universities assess their current student support functions they're, who they're letting in and how well they're preparing those students for the, the rigors of adding academics to an already busy life, and in helping them attack what I like to call cost per degree or cost mm-hmm. per success. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we look at the cost issue in higher education as how much are we spending per student, but really 
what we need to be looking at is how much are we spending to get a stu- student successfully through college and into a fulfilling life. And our work with prospective students and enrolled students, helping them select the right institution that's a good fit for them, helping them get prepared, helping them make the most of that opportunity, develop the skills they're going to need in the workplace, it all ties together. And ultimately, if we can help universities do a better job of addressing that entire student life cycle, we will have accomplished our mission. You touched on something. I'd love to come back to it, if that's okay. You, yeah. you talked about assessing current support functions. Now, can you talk a little bit more about how InsideTrack actually goes about assessing the support that's already happening? Yeah. it's Ultimately, it's a, a partnership between InsideTrack and the institution where we're working with their staff and their administrators and their students, in essence, to see What's working? What's not? What could be improved? What best practices can we employ that we've seen at other institutions? And I'll give you an example of some of the typical things we find. So we might find that a university does a great job of supporting their traditional on-campus students who are residential, full-time, and so forth, but they are not ready to handle a population of working adults who might be attending part-time, who have work and family obligations, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe going to school online. And so we're helping them figure out how can they create a student support function and student-facing functions that are effective for all students. Maybe they're starting to see more first-generation students or students coming from generational poverty, and they're not sure how to address those issues. Those are areas where we can help. So it sounds like you're talking about having an impact across across the population, maybe thinking about the whole incoming class, how to impact them. And one of the ways to do that might be providing targeted support to individual populations. Um, is Inside Track's strategy to target individual populations or to sort of provide um, feedback or assessment about the support that's being provided across the campus? Ultimately, the way we like to look at it is through the lens of mass customization, as I like mm-hmm. to call it. We want every student to get the support that he or she needs in order to be successful. And we caution institutions about putting students into demographic buckets for a couple of reasons. Number one, let's say I am a Latina female who's the first in my family to go to college and I recently completed my military service. Mm -hmm. Which bucket are you putting me in? It's very difficult to say that there's this one program just for that type of student. The other problem you have, what a lot of institutions do is they say, okay, these are my quote-unquote at-risk students because they fit in some demographic category. They're low income, they're first generation, whatever it might be. The problem is that there are many students who are, uh, whose grandfather's grandfather went to college who were straight-A students in high school who struggle in the transition to college. Support is not something that is only for students who fit certain risk profiles. And what you're going to find is if you actually focus on which students you can have the most impact on as opposed to which students are at greatest risk of failure, you will end up having a much greater impact across your student body. Um, So we're having sort of a conversation here about Inside Track's work nationwide. I want to maybe zoom in a little bit here closer to home. So I'm curious how Inside Track is currently improving the the four things you talked about, access, success, career readiness, and affordability uh, in the state of Oregon? Well, I'd say that to start with, the vast majority of our employees are Oregon graduates. So uh, between uh, Portland State, Oregon State, University of Oregon, and the other uh, schools here, 
Um, we're definitely doing our job in employing people. Um, secondly, so you're helping with the gainful employment. Exactly. <laughs> the, 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 the gainful employment is, is better for Oregon schools because of inside track. But uh, also, you know, we, we do work with or, uh, institutions in Oregon. We've done quite a bit of work with Oregon State and their adult and online programs, primarily working with them to improve uh, retention of their adult students. Uh, we're in discussions with some of the other institutions here in the state, and we're also in discussions with the Higher Ed Commission and, and some leaders in the state about some statewide initiatives. So obviously, the, uh, you know, we have a great interest in improving outcomes across the country, but especially in Oregon, where a lot of our, uh, a lot of our team members come from. So as you and, and as Inside Track surveys the higher education landscape, I'm curious, as we think about the policies, what one to three policies could significantly improve higher education outcomes based on what you've seen in the data or anecdotally? Yeah, I think there are a, a couple of hot policy issues, and these are not going to be new to most of your listeners, but I think they're important. And the first is financial aid. We have a financial aid system, whether it's at the federal level or the state or institutional level, that is often geared towards the first-time full-time student attending two semesters a year consecutively for four years and then being done. And the reality is that represents fewer than 25% of the students now in higher education. Most students are older working, raising families. They might need to go to school part-time, year-round. We need to account for that, and we need financial aid policies that support people in going to school as they need to over whatever period of time that they need to. So that would be number one. Number two, I would say, is how higher education gets funded. There are a lot of interesting experiments going on with what's called performance-based funding or outcomes-based funding in a number of states. Uh, I believe that we need to be cautious. There are definitely some potential unintended consequences. For instance, schools changing their admittance policies in order to improve outcomes, things like that. But if we really focus on funding higher education based on the long-term success of students, and by long-term I mean long after they've graduated, I think we can come up with mechanisms that reward the best-performing institutions. In doing that, we need to take into account the different missions the different institutions have. For some institutions, uh, our community college system in particular, it's, uh, you know, they're going to have a lot of students that are just coming there to take one class or to dip their toe in the water of what higher education means to them and see if they're ready to take on a a more full-time load. And that's fine. We, We want to encourage that. So we need to make sure that we don't measure... Uh, a community college and an Ivy League graduate program in the same way. Mm-hmm. So take account for the differences in mission and purpose of the different types of institutions. Can we come back to financial aid? You mentioned yeah. that the financial aid system is set up basically with a conveyor belt for students who look a lot like a first-time, full-time student. I'm curious, you know, what if any insight you might have on how that system could do a better job of taking into account the kinds of students that you've talked about throughout the conversation today. Do you have any idea what what that might look like or how it could? It seems like students are forced to participate in the system, which isn't necessarily set up well for each kind of student or for each individual student. How can we create a system that, that better meets the needs of individuals trying to move through that system? Yeah, I think two clear examples. And uh, first, I should say that the financial aid policies of individual institutions, states, and the federal government vary. So, um, But two common examples are 
financial aid that is only available when students are attending full-time or taking 30 credit hours um, uh, in a year, that, that becomes a problem with students who would like to attend full-time. And you've seen a number of states institute uh, what are called 15-to-finish uh, programs where a student must take 15 credits per semester, two consecutive semesters, to maintain their financial aid. That actually does work well for first-time, full-time residential students. And, it should, you know, that should be encouraged. But we found through a recent study that we did with the uh, National Student Clearinghouse, ACE, and some other organizations that uh, for community college students, for instance, that is actually detrimental. They're better off taking a mix of full-time and part-time to allow them to flex their schedule around work and family obligations. So that would be that would be one the full-time course load issue. The second one is year-round financial aid. Um, we have this debate going on in, in the Pell program right now at the federal level, whether or not you should have year-round Pell grants. Because for an adult student, it may make sense for them not to take the summer off. They may actually want to be taking a course load throughout the year. And you're seeing a lot of programs geared around working adults that have eight-week terms or 10-week terms or 12-week terms that span throughout the year. So why not allow for that in our financial aid policies and allow someone to literally take 50 weeks of school a year or 52? You mentioned the higher education funding experience, performance-based funding, et cetera. I was actually at a meeting um, of the subcommittee that's looking into that for the state of Oregon right now. I'm curious what, if anything, Inside Track has seen in terms of successes, failures, lessons learned from working with those states, working in some of those states, working with some of those institutions? Yeah, I think the, the biggest potential pitfall we've seen are institutions that uh, move away from their mission, particularly of access, in response to performance-based funding mechanisms. So the way they try and get their graduation rates up is by changing their incoming student pool. Mm-hmm. And um, f- first off, you know... It's uh, we need institutions of varying levels of access in every state. So it's unfortunate to see that happen. The other reality is only so many institutions can compete for the best students in each state. So it's not even a realistic business strategy um, for them to do that. The other pitfall we've seen are success definitions that are too narrowly defined. So there's much more to performance than graduation rates. Uh, You may want to look at closing inequality gaps in graduation rates. You may want to look at graduating students in fields that are important to your local economy. Maybe you need more STEM graduates. Uh, You may also want to look at longer-term outcomes. Are students meaningfully employed five or ten years out? Are they satisfied with their jobs? Are they productive members of society? Things like the the types of measures you you may have seen in the Purdue Gallup Index that came out about a year or two ago, uh, looking at the long-term satisfaction of college graduates. So those are some of the, the pitfalls that we've seen. You mentioned research. Are there any other studies that Inside Track is, is either recently completed or is involved with that are kind of interesting or maybe interesting of interest to listeners? Yeah, we definitely. I would direct people to um, the study we just did on non-first-time student persistence and completion. Um, so that was the American Council on Education, the University Professional and Continuing Ed Association, 
uh, NASPA, which is Maine Student Affairs Organization, us, and the Clearinghouse. Um, we're actually releasing the full data set to the public next week, and I would in uh, March 16th, and I would invite everyone to, to take a look at that. Sounds fun. I have a weekend. I can plug it into R and just see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> see what happens. Um, so, yeah, take a look at that. And then um, we're doing a lot of interesting research on uh, specific, I'd call them kind of where behavioral science meets social psychology <laughs> type experiments. For instance, how does the use of text messaging it affect student engagement with coaching as a discipline? How does, uh, what types, what is the best wording of a prompt in a mobile app that's trying to get students to complete a FAFSA? So we're doing, you know, everywhere from the big policy issues down to the nitty gritty technical stuff. We're doing a little bit of everything. Is there anything else Inside Track is working on you want to have a chance to, to talk about? Um, I guess the thing I'm most excited about is some of the work we're doing at the state level and not in Oregon yet. Uh, we're doing a lot of work in Indiana, in Montana, and a couple of other states. And um, I'll give Indiana as an example. There, we've actually got a program serving a group of students they call 21st century scholars. These are low-income first-generation students for the most part who get a scholarship if they... Uh, if they maintain a certain grade point average and so forth, and they can go to any state institution. And we're actually helping improve retention rates and completion rates for those students across their entire community college system and several of their, their four-year universities. And that's just really exciting work um, because the scale of the impact is, is so large, and it's actually transforming the institutions themselves. So long after we're gone those institutions are going to be able to better serve those students. I'm also really excited about some of the work we're doing in capability building generally with institutions. We have a number of institutions now where instead of us providing the coaching, we are actually helping them build coaching programs internally and change their own, uh, their own culture, their own student support culture, their operations, their technology, and essentially build a, an inside track within their institution. And I love that because the impact is then not the students that we serve directly, but all future students of that institution. And we've set this, uh, this grand vision for our company. By 2040, we would like to have unlocked the potential in 100 million people. And these are the types of activities, changing state systems, transforming institutions that are going to get us to that level. Yeah. Well, Dave, thanks once again for taking the time to talk with us. If listeners are interested in learning more online about Inside Track's work, partnership, results, um, where should they go? Uh, best place to start is our website. So it's insidetrack.com, all one word. And for those of you who are on social media, you can uh, visit our, our LinkedIn company page, or you can follow us on Twitter, just at InsideTrack. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dan. ORHigherEd.com's mission is to enhance student outcomes through effective education policy in the state of Oregon. The website features a monthly podcast with policymakers and analysts, aggregates the best of what's written about higher ed policy in Oregon and around the country, and publishes original white papers. Our website is www.orhighered.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at ORHigherEd.